This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hi, I'm Darren Neely, the creator of Chase Man Bolt, and you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. You nailed it! Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, it's our pleasure to welcome you to episode 451 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book Legacy Podcast. I told you not to say that. That joke is old. bad. It's (laughs) already old. I love it. My name is Matt Baum. We've returned to our legacy numbering. (laughs) And I'm Joe Patrick. Together we are the Two-Headed Nerd, two over-opinionated dorks that would rather critique than create. With more than 800 years of combined comic book knowledge, Good God. bonded by an ancient curse, Matt and I find ourselves sharing a body and forced to discuss the week's new comic books, news, and reviews for your listening pleasure. I just realized those watching us on Facebook Live are going to realize we're not sharing a body. We have pulled the wool away. Well, so far, everybody that watching is either related to us or as a medicine person. Oh, so, okay. All yeah. right. In this episode, Joe and I try to sneak into an apes-only showing of Planet of the Apes during a ludicrous speed round while we review 12 of this week's new comics. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Monsieur Mala lets us borrow his boyfriend's brain to talk about the comics we're excited to read next week. And finally, we'll open the phone lines for our cover-to-cover segment, but... Before we admit to meeting with the red ghost ape, Miklo, to discuss some potential (laughs) dirt on the hosts of the newly returned Comics Therapy podcast, way before we were up for any awards or anything important, all right? Remind you, this is before Red Ghost Fever and anyone was talking about this. Are we up for awards? We better talk about this week's Nerd News! That's for you, Facebook Live. Nerd News. DC has announced the revival of a pair of cult classic characters in two new series coming this fall. First up is Ragman, who will return in a six-issue mini by writer Ray Fox, artist Inaki Miranda, colorist Ava De La Cruz, and cover artist Guillaume March, who I really enjoy. I love Guillaume March. Here's the solicitor for Ragman, war vet Rory Reagan. Boy, that's a hard sentence. Yeah. Is Rory Reagan. Rory Reagan is <laughs> like plagued the by the rural juror. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the rural is plagued by the death of his team after a failed mission to find a hidden treasure in the Israeli desert. While battling survivors' guilt back home in Gotham City, Reagan discovers that he actually bought the treasure back home with him in the form of the suit of souls. The suit of souls has the ability to trap and collect the souls of others, including those of his dead partners. With the aid of his dead teammates, Rory begins to learn more about the abilities of the suit when something evil begins to brew in Gotham. An evil demon from hell wants the suit of souls, yikes, and is sending his minions to retrieve it from him. Now, Rory must learn how to use the suit and its powers to stop these evil forces from invading Gotham City before it's too late. So they un-Jewished Ragman. We don't know that. Anyway, it does seem a little bit of an adjustment to his origin. It's an update. Um, this is this is talking about how his fallen comrades are helping him, and it's nothing about him like absorbing the souls of criminals. Maybe it's still a thing. Yeah, I don't we'll know. See. I love Ragman. I do too. Uh, he appeared a couple of times in the New Fifty Two. He's been on Arrow. Uh, as a recurring character, which has been fun to see. Phil Hester drew the hell out of Ragman. Yeah, he did. Book. That was awesome. He wanted, no, Phil Hester didn't draw a Ragman comic, but he wanted to. He oh, that's one. right. He pitched one. Yeah. He told us about that. He drew me a sketch of Ragman. Yeah, I, I had a Ragman sketch from Phil and one of the so rags. So cool. One of the rags was like part of the American flag. <gasps> oh man, yes. Whoa. I know, edgy. Uh, also, <laughs> edgy. 
<laughs> Sorry, I mean, I didn't mean that to sound like... But we digress. I didn't mean that to sound Snyder or anything. Edgy. <laughs> so edgy, Phil Hester. <laughs> also up for a revival is Dead Man with a new series coming from legendary creator Neil Adams. Uh... Yeah. Though he didn't create Dead Man, Adams helped popularize the character in the late 60s, and he probably remains the artist that's most closely associated with the character. Definitely. No, no offense to Kelly Jones. Yeah. The series will investigate the murder of Boston Brand, Dead Man's alter ego, and will feature cameos from Batman, Zatanna, and Dr. Fate. Uh, it's going to have a glow-in-the-dark cover. Oh, we're too seriously <laughs> going back to glow-in-the-dark covers? Uh, really? No official, like no official title or, or length, but it's out in the fall. I'm not super psyched about this one. I am not psyched about it. Look, Neil Adams is a legend, but Neil Adams needs to stop. Just be a legend, you know. Well, and <laughs> the projects that he has been allowed to do at Marvel and DC, they have been terrible. I have not. They have them. been terrible and just weird. And look, Neil is a legend, like I said. But imagine if, for instance, Peyton Manning after winning that Super Bowl with his defense alone and playing a terrible game, decided to play six more seasons. He'd be like, oh, God. Peyton. Or he came back after six seasons away. <laughs> right, absolutely, yeah. And he's like, hey, guys, it's me, Peyton Manning. I still got it, baby. Like, oh, God, he's throwing the ball weird. <laughs> he can barely run, you know. Ugh. I don't know. I mean, I do like that DC is continuing to revisit and reinvent its classic characters. Yeah, but this is, doesn't seem like revisiting or reinventing Dead Man. This feels like... This might just be like a vanity project yeah, for Neil the Adams. The Ragman thing sounds really yeah. cool. I'm into that. Hopefully it's good. I, you know, like, you, like you said, not super excited for Dead Man. I'll at least check out the first issue because I like the character. But, yeah. Joey, in other news, I've got actually some bad news for you. Somebody stole the name of your first child. In other comic book news, Dark Horse Comics will expand the universe of the Black Hammer with Sherlock Frankenstein. Dang it, I knew we should have gotten, <laughs> I knew we should have gotten pregnant sooner. And the Legion of Evil, written by Black Hammer co-creator Jeff Lemire and illustrated by Ether artist David Rubin. That's Ether, not Ether. While the main series focuses on the heroes of Spiral City, Abraham Slam, Golden Gale, Colonel Weird, Madam Dragonfly, and my favorite, Barbalian. Barbalian. Sherlock Frankenstein reveals the secret origins of the Black Hammer's greatest villains. Lucy Weber, the daughter of the Black Hammer, is an investigative newspaper reporter, and her search for the truth about her father leads her to some very dark places. In Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil, Lucy heads to Spiral City's infamous asylum to confront the world's greatest supervillains and the secrets they have locked away. Wowzers. I know. First of all, Black Hammer. Did you get caught up? Yes. It's, it's the best. <laughs> I love it. Black Hammer is so good, you guys. Everybody needs to be reading that book. It, yeah. A, I, th I think that book is wonderful. In a press release, Lemire said, quote, while working on Black Hammer, I found myself having more and more ideas for the other types of superhero stories. The main Black Hammer story continues to be the spine of these ideas, but I found them branching off into new directions and new characters as well. Basically, Black Hammer is Lemire's own private little superhero universe. Yes. And he has gently fleshed it out to all these crazy corners, and now we're going to meet all the bad guys. Very excited. So cool. This yeah. is going to be so cool. Now, Dark Horse is saying that this is going to be the first of several minis, all featuring different artists, expanding on the Black Hammer-verse. Right. Uh, but Lemire promises that each of the series will remain standalone. They're going to tell their own stories, so fans can pick up and read whatever they want, and they don't have to worry about following every title. Yeah. Which is a great way to do it. Just like what Valiant does, basically. Yeah, really. Man, I 
Ooh, I'm excited for this. This is probably my favorite news of the week. So cool. Seriously, Black Hammer, if you're not reading it, pick that up. And why not just give Jeff Lemire the whole DC superhero universe? Go, you know what? It's yours. <laughs> Throw Ghost in there. <laughs> you, know. you mean the Dark Horse superhero universe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did I say? DC. Oh, yeah. Give him DC, too. Uh, ghost, uh, <laughs> Barbed Wire. Yeah, Barbed Wire. Get her back in there. Uh, uh, what was that one? Uh, Octane. Yeah, there was one. I love Catalyst. Octane. Agents of Change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there was man. one that was vaguely car themed, like Detroit themed. Maybe that was Barbed Wire. Wasn't that Octane? But there was one. Oh, one no, Barbed Wire was in Detroit. Yeah. But there was one guy that looked like a like kind of like a machine come to life. I don't remember the name of that one. Oh, uh, the machine. Oh yeah, the machine. It was called the machine. <laughs> it was John Arcudi's the machine. Yeah. He was like Swamp Thing if Swamp Thing was made of machines. He was all wires and stuff. So cool. But Pretty we digress. Good. We're digressing a lot in this episode. Moving on to movie news, Randall Park has joined Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp as James Jimmy Woo. I can't believe this. According to the <laughs> tracking board, Jimmy Woo was created in 1956 by Al Feldstein and Joe Manili for Marvel Comics' Yellow Claw Number 1. Don't look that up. It's super racist. Well, I, yeah. I mean, at the time, it was white guys doing their best. Yeah. I don't know if they were doing their best. <laughs> But Wu is probably best known in modern times for leading the early 2000s title Agents of Atlas. Oh. Uh, the Chinese-American character was most recently seen in the pages of Totally Awesome Hulk. For those of you who have not read Agents of Atlas, I guarantee with this news, it's going to be back in print all over the place. I hope so. Pick up Ag Agents of Atlas. It's wonderful. Ant-Man and the Wasp recently began filming at Pinewood Atlanta Studios in Georgia. Uh, Peyton Reed is the director. Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and Michael Pena are all back reprising their roles. I think Michael Pena is my favorite Marvel cinematic side character. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so my brother uh, and I love Rosé, right? <laughs> we're, we're at this art opening. <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp is scheduled to hit theaters in July of 2018. Now, Matt, I get that it's probably a super duper long shot, but with... Jimmy in the MC Woo. MC Woo. That's a funny joke. That's not a funny joke. It's a funny joke. I thought that was a miss. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> you know it's a funny joke because Sorry, I folks. said it was a funny joke after I said oh, it. Oh, yeah. That always helps. Do you think that Gorilla Man and the Human Robot could make an appearance? Calling my shot. Gorilla Man and the post credits. Oh, my God. I'm calling my shot. Oh, my God. We got Howard the Duck. Gorilla Man is far less ridiculous than Howard the Duck. Is he, though? Yes. Okay. There's a war for the Planet of the Apes movie in theaters now, okay? Humanity's ready for talking apes. <laughs> I like, how cool would it be if they just casually dropped hints that Wu has been around since the 50s? Why not? It would like, be so fun. In the Like, in the flashback scenes yes. with young Michael Douglas and he, S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, just having him still be age. there? Yeah. He's and like, yeah, he's just the same age the whole time. What is the deal with this guy? Ah, oh. oh, my God. I'm very excited. I love Jimmy Wu. Randall Park, He's um, he's um he plays the dad on Fresh Off the Boat. That's A show that ABC. my wife loves. I find she's heavy into all of ABC's racial comedies. I have heard very good things about that show. I don't watch it regularly. I don't watch it either. I call them the black one, the Jewish one, and the Asian one. There's and also a disabled the, one. There's also the Irish one and the disabled one. <laughs> <laughs> and Casey loves them all. <laughs> uh, hey, but kudos to ABC for their sure. diversity. Yeah, man. <laughs> this is big news. This is probably... Sherlock Frankenstein and the Black Hammer thing is great, yeah. but this is my favorite movie well, news in a long time. A character like Jimmy Woo, perfect for the Ant-Man movies, which are lighter in tone, and man, this could be a blast. Excited. I love it. To say the least. Go pick up Agents of Atlas. No punking around. No punking around. Oh. 
that's the big news for this week. Now it's time for you dudes and lady dudes to let us know what you thought about these stories and everything we missed. So hit us up on the THN forums in the big news section. It's also a great spot to meet sentient Soviet apes. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Or, no. I, or, or what did our lawyers at least, say? That's what, what I heard. That's say. what I heard. You're just making it worse, okay? <laughs> it's all rumor and conjecture. Illusion and disillusion. And delusion. Every week, the deluded monkey man to my O'Brien posts the question of the week in the THN forums for you nerds to throw barrels at like a giant gorilla with a misspelled first name. Joe, what are we asking the nerds this week? <laughs> this question of the week once again comes from D. Murray, who is angling for Gucci status. Oh, yeah. D. referenced a tweet from Phil Hester from the other day. Uh, and so Phil was offering hope to his 14-year-old self saying... You will struggle getting to a Jim Starlin script because a Paul Levitt's Omax story needs to be drawn right away. What? He was basically saying that he was going to, he was reassuring his 14-year-old self that he was going to grow up and work with the creators that he idolized. Gotcha. Like, you're not going to have time to draw this oh, thing okay. by Jim Starlin because you have to draw this other thing by Paul Levitt. I just totally missed it. You, young Phil Hester, yes. don't kill yourself because... Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. So D wants to know what advice you'd give to your younger self about the current comic book industry and nerd culture in general. Would you warn them about the internet? Would you talk about how people literally dress as superheroes on a regular basis? Maybe tell them if you ever want to get laid again, stop now, you know? Hey, listen, <laughs> it's not like that anymore. Like, hey, nerd, one day D&D's going to rule. Yeah, that's people right. People are going to think it's awesome. <laughs> and wrestling will be cool again, too. And then you'll be like, get out of here. You're crazy. <laughs> would you offer future knowledge about who would become the most popular characters in pop culture? Like in 1993, would you say, hey, Dave DeMarco, Squirrel Girl, invest now. He go, really? <laughs> <laughs> this is striking impression of our friend Dave yeah, 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 that's what he sounds like. You can call the Ziggurat hotline. It's 402-819-4894 and leave us a message there. You can also email your MP3 answer to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Keep it under two minutes, whatever you do. Matt will cut you off. That's you true. guys have been pretty good about it. We are a little bit lax with the people that call in live. We call in live. We'll rap with you, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Gotta fill that time until the phone yeah. rings again. And I'll cut you off as soon as you get boring. So, <laughs> If you want other monkeys to take notice of your beating your chest, you can call us live next week at the aforementioned Ziggurat Hotline. Or if you're watching this video, you can call us live today. There's a call now button. It's like right above. It's above. There. I it's, think. I don't it's know. upwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you need more than two minutes, that's my turn. If you need more than two minutes, head over to the THN web forums and jump into the barrel of monkeys with the other listeners and join in on the discussion. War of the Planet of the Apes hit theaters this week, and Matt was so excited, he not only made this entire episode simian-themed, but he bought us two tickets to Gorilla City for the film's debut. This is going to be tricky. Hopefully, the original Dr. Zayas costumes we had laying around will get us in. I mean, they're not keen they're on not outsiders. Tough. Yeah, so this could be tough. So hold on to your butts while we speed to the garage cineplex in the THN Fantastic Car. Oh, while we review 12 more of this week's comics during the Ludicrous Speed Ride! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Dark Days, the casting, one shot, DC, 40 pages for $4.99. Kind of sounds like uh, POV porn to me. Just saying. The game. <laughs> Gross. 
Scott Snyder and James Tinian the Four once again team up with DC's masterclass artists. That's Jim Lee, John Romita Jr., and Andy Kubert for one last prequel to the upcoming metal event. And once again, DC has pulled me in even deeper when I had zero interest when the event was announced. But the name is so weird. I know, metal? Yeah. Snyder completely restores and then expands on the history of Carter and Shiera Hall, a.k.a. Hawkman and Hawkwoman, as Batman searches for answers and the Joker, or maybe it's not even the real Joker, I yeah, don't know. I'm not sure. Reveals the hidden truth about Batman's latest protege, Duke Thomas. I think it's Protege. Protege. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hal Jordan has an amazing moment in the Batcave that taps into his Air Force background. I'm not going to spoil what it is. Okay, it I haven't read great. this yet. I haven't read it yet. Snyder and his crew are tearing through the lost history of the DC Universe, promising to build something new. I'm completely hooked at this point. I honestly don't know what's coming. I can't wait to find out. Dark Days, the casting, not a pornography name, gets <laughs> a buy it. Mage, the hero denied, number zero from Image. It's 16 pages. Yeah. But it's two bucks. Yeah, it's two bucks. It's like a preview thing. It's, it's like a teaser. A, it's like a snack. It's hard to do much in 16 pages other than maybe rehook old fans of a comic that hasn't been published for 20 odd years. And Wagner did just that. Kevin Matchstick, the modern living embodiment of King Arthur, is still wearing a lightning bolt t-shirt, trench coat, and Chuck Taylors. It's like, I'm 20 years old all over Do you again. think he owns like <laughs> 10 of those shirts? I think he just owns one and he smells really bad. Honestly, <laughs> Wagner doesn't do much here to convert any new readers, but rather expects that anyone who picks this up is probably excited to see Mage's return. Well, that's what happened to me. I loved Mage years ago, have raved about my love for Wagner's story on this very show, and I'm doing it again now. I admit it, I'm throwing my journalistic sensibilities aside, and I'm just excited for an old comic that never ended properly to come back. I'm giving Mage the Hero Denied Zero a buy it, whether or not it's accessible to new readers, okay? I mean, I thought it's been 20 years or 15 years since I read the Mage sequel, so... I, I picked this up and I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. He fights monsters. There are there's a newer generation of people also fighting monsters. They're kind of shitheads. You also have that background though. I don't know yeah, if somebody who just picked that one. Sure, but like I was able to get a sense of like, okay, he's a, he's established, he's experienced. Right. These new punks are really idiots. Yeah. Um, and he's just kind of like letting them have their fun and sure. then actually saving the day on his own. Enough. Wonder Woman 26 from DC, 32 pages for 2.99. I'm in charge here! <laughs> wow. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. DC superhero girls writer Shay Fontana steps in for the departing Greg Rucka for the first part of Heart of the Amazon. I am going to miss Greg Rucka on this book. It's this okay. run has I wasn't been amazing. reading. I haven't read it, so it's all right. It's so good. Diana is taking a break from protecting people in war torn refugee camps to attend the wedding of her closest friend's brother. Which sounds really irresponsible. That's a... I mean, look. Like, all right, refugees, nobody die while I'm gone. You gotta take a break. You gotta recharge or else you're no good to anyone. Fair enough. Uh, That's Etta Candy, for those of you who don't know. She was in the movie. Yes. But while Diana is on a mission of peace, violence follows her everywhere she goes. Meanwhile, we get a glimpse of the events that put Diana on the path from child to Amazon warrior. Italian illustrator and DC bombshells artist Mirka Andolfo is on the art for this arc. It was an enjoyable issue. It's full of heart and insight into Diana's past. The thing is, though, it's not the blockbuster epic that readers may have come to expect from other runs on this book. Right. Or especially what Rucka's recently been doing. Right. There are no gods. There's no mythical beasts. 
It's just a very personal story, and the art has a sort of pleasing, animated, all-ages indie book quality to it. Mm. Personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with telling a different type of story, but many comic fans are quick to pounce on anything that's even a little bit different than what they're used to, me included. And I think that would be a shame here. This is a short arc. Uh, Shay Fontana and uh, Mirka and Duffalo are not on the book long term. So I'm not super confident that DC has a great plan in place for the future of this title, but for now, I'm enjoying it. I'm giving One Woman 26 a bye. Hmm. War for the Planet of the Apes, number one, 32 pages for $3.99. This is from Dynamite. Boom. Boom. For the prequel for the new... Wow. <laughs> Do your job. The prequel, sorry. The prequel for the new Planet of the Apes film arrives just in time for the movie's premiere. Like, why didn't we do this a month ago? I don't know. David Walker is on writing duties here, but the real star is Jonas Schaaf's hard line and intensely colored art. Schaaf fleshes out the ruins of San Francisco perfectly and manages to give each ape, gorilla, and orangutan he draws their own personality and emotions. I admit I'm an easy mark for Boom's ape lines, but it's only because they've been so damn good. There were moments of genuine terror here, both on the part of the humans and the apes, which captures the desperation on both sides of the war. I love the Planet of the Apes relaunch and can't say enough about how well Boom has captured the same magic in their comics. Buy this. It was great. I'm going to force Casey to go see this movie tomorrow. She's going to cry like a baby. I heard it is awful. Like, gut-wrenchingly amazing and emotional. Yeah. Collects it. Number one, Black Mask is 32 pages. It's $3.99. What if a fascist autocratic president took over the United States? Nothing like that could ever happen. And what if that president <laughs> lost California, the sixth largest economy on Earth, by nearly two to one? It's starting to remind me of something. A margin of almost three and a half million votes. I, 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 it's right there. I can't what it. if the day after that president took power, the largest mass demonstration in history occurred, and the state with the largest turnout was, of course, California? Hey, oh. What if California refused to be ruled? That's the setup for Cal Exit, a frighteningly plausible, we'll call it alternate, near future in the vein of Brian Wood's DMZ. Writer Matt Pizzolo does an amazing job setting up the world as we view it through the eyes of a smuggler named Jamil. Jamil doesn't take sides in this war, but he's getting tangled up with the resistance, whether he likes it or not, including its leader, Zora who is probably the most dangerous woman in California because people around here drop like flies. Whoa. Black Mask's predilection for unexpected sci-fi rears its head again with personal flying bird-shaped drones and characters with robot legs. <laughs> but it worked for me. Why I mean, you it's doing this? <laughs> it wasn't over the top. There were no aliens. All right, all right. Uh, so yeah, it worked for me here. And clandestino and young terrorists artist Amon K. Nahuelpan No way we're saying that right. Nope. Does great work. Black Mask must be on a staggering array of government watch lists, but I'm glad they do what they do. I loved Cal Exit number one. It's a huge buy it. They're punk rockers, baby. Yeah, they are. Centipede number one from Dynamite. Yeah, I read this. It's 32 pages for $3.99. The Atari Rebirth continues at Dynamite with the story of the last living inhabitant of his planet. A normal guy named Dale, Dale decides it's time to get revenge on the giant bug that killed everyone. Yeah. Writer Max Bemis tries to give this one the same feel as Will Forte's Last Man on Earth using Dale's imaginary friend, who is you, the reader, as the person he narrates the entire story to. And he doesn't just narrate it. He looks at you and he's like, 
come with me. Let's go grab these guns. You know, right. like, okay. But the narration gets lost in weird asides about this alien world's culture, their weird religion, and Dale's weird job, which had him stealing stories and mythos from other alien cultures via the internet, I guess? Dale seemed pretty human to me, and it seems like quite a coincidence that this alien world looks and feels... He had pointy ears. Yeah, I guess. That was it. That was the only thing that that was different. Everything looks and feels much like Earth. Even his name sounds pretty earthy to me. I'm not sure. You're getting a little caught up on the similarities (laughs) to Earth here. I'm not sure what Bemis was trying to do here, but it did not work, and it certainly doesn't feel like a comic with any real longevity. To be fair, Centipede is a very hard concept to bring to comics, and the cover of the original Atari game, featuring a sprightly hobbit-looking fellow with a magic wand fighting a smiling centipede and spider, certainly doesn't help. This didn't work on any level for me and came off as almost too clever for the story's own good at times. I'm giving Centipede number one a leave it. It just you know, didn't I, work. I, the bones of it were great. Like I guess. The last living man yeah. going on a suicide mission to get revenge I on the suppose. thing that killed his culture. But all the stuff with him talking to the reader does not work for me. No, didn't work. Dread Gods, number one from IDW, 48 pages for $3.99. I was looking forward to this one. Yeah, Ron Mars and Tom Rainey, two of my favorite creators from the late 90s, early 2000s, team up for a new series about the pantheon of Greek gods that are forced to perform for the downtrodden masses of a dystopian world, but they don't know that that's what they're doing. Or do they? Whoa! (laughs) Honestly, I wasn't really that into it until the neat swerve at the end, and now I'm kind of intrigued. Rainey's art is great, as I remember, I just hope he can keep up with the deadlines because I remember him being notoriously slow. Tom they'd, Rainey? Really? Yes. They'd announce him on a book. He'd churn out a few a, a few issues, and then he'd be gone. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's a backup by Bart Sears that I, I can- love Bart Sears. I confess, though, I skipped it because I thought it was just an ad for another comic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually part of the content. All right. All right. These veteran creators pack the issue full of new content for the money. I'm definitely on board for Dread Gods for now. Not sure I'll follow it till the end of the line, but it had a cool twist. I'm giving it a buy it. Okay. You changed it, huh? Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm giving it a skip. No, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I, I uh, got confused. I'm definitely on board with Dread Gods for now. I'm not sure if I'll follow it to the end of the line. I'm giving it a strong skim it. Okay. Because it took a while to warm up to me, and there was a twist that kind of hooked me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Last song, number one from Black Mask. It's 64 pages for $4.99. That's a steal, right? This is, is a steal. This is the first of four oversized issues in this miniseries that follows Nikki, the unlikely young gothy nerd growing up in the 80s who would become the front man for a band called Ecstasy. Nikki's life changed the night he heard his father shoot himself and witnessed the aftermath. From there, he and his best friend start a band, move to LA, and start doing the hard work of trying to get famous. The story itself is packed full of precious, self-important poetry that at times made my skin crawl. But you know what? This is how lead singers are born. (laughs) I couldn't stop turning the pages here and found several parallels to my own experiences in the music world. Last song is a bit cheesy at times, but it was also very well written and paced with great black and white art by Sally Cantorino. After the first act, I was loathing reading the rest, but by the end, writer Holly Interlandy's story nailed me. I really enjoyed this book, and whether you've ever been in a band or not, if you like good slice-of-life comic booking, you will too. Buy it. 
Mighty Mouse, number two, from Dynamite, is 32 pages for $3.99. Writer Shally Fish and artist Igor Lima have brought Mighty Mouse to life in the real world with disastrous results. What is a young boy to do about a super strong cartoon mouse that insists on fighting crime in full view of the public? Get rich! Yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's what you do. Meanwhile, something bad is happening in the classic cartoon stories in Mighty Mouse's absence, uh, which I thought was kind of a neat idea. And I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. Oh, like Mouseville's going to hell? Like, <laughs> they, they turn awesome. on... They turn on... They pass a storefront that's playing old Mighty Mouse cartoons. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this one, the kid. Right. Um, this is the one where Pearl gets torn in half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. So they're watching this cartoon that the kid knows by heart, but right. then Mighty Mouse doesn't show up. Oh. Because he's not there. He does not come to save the day. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. Lima's art is really pretty decent when dealing with the real world elements, though it's not good with Mighty Mouse. I really? don't like how he draws Mighty Mouse. I haven't seen it yet. It's so off model that is distracting to me. Still, this curious series has my attention, and I'm willing to see where Fish takes the story from here, giving it a strong skimming. Okay. The Howling number one from Space Goat Publishing. 32 pages for $3.99. This story picks up three weeks after the first Howling movie ended way back in 1981. Oh, wait, this is about The Howling? The Howling. <laughs> As you can probably guess, The Howling was about werewolves. And the first film in the yeah. franchise, there's eight sequels, by the way. Uh, I'm sorry, it's werewolves. <sighs> Pardon me, werewolves. There's eight sequels. I have only seen the first three, and I've decided I'm watching them all. <laughs> Gotta do it. <laughs> It, the first one, though, was truly a cult classic worth watching for any monster fan. Writer Mickey Nelson and artist Jason Johnson capture the spirit of the film perfectly and take the story in the direction the film franchise probably should have gone, dealing with the colony of werewolves that was trying to quietly live amongst humanity until they were outed by a news reporter that changed on the air. You don't need to be familiar with the film to enjoy this read, but it certainly would help. If nothing else, it's a great excuse to revisit a classic 80s cult film. The Howling number one gets a buy it. I really liked it. What a weirdo. Spider-Man number two. Pardon me. Spider-Man's <laughs> Spider number two yes. from Marvel. 32 pages, $3.99. Five years after leaving us on a cliffhanger, B.M. Bendis and Sarah Pacelli finally get around to revealing the secrets of the 616 universe Miles Morales. I don't know if they're calling it the 616 universe anymore. Or they start getting around to it, at least. There's only one universe, right? They sewed it all together. Uh, who knows? Right? Who knows? Mr. Fantastic is out there building new universes like he's God or something. Yeah, while he's treading water, right? Yeah, he's treading it. water. <laughs> Bendis is right at home in Miles and Peter's heads, though he really ramps up the exposition in this issue. I think the merging of the Ultimate and Marvel universes after Secret Wars threw his plan for a loop, and he had a lot of explaining to do. Still, it's really fun seeing the two Spideys together, brought to life by Pacelli's beautiful art. And shout out to the wonderful colors by Justin Ponzer as well. He's a talented dude. Yeah, definitely. We finally see the alternate Miles on the final page, and I am definitely invested to find out more. Because it is, I don't want it to sound weird, but it is definitely not what I was expecting. Okay. All right. Now I got to read this. I know. I'm giving Spider-Man's 2, number 1, a buy it. Spider-Man's 2, number 1. Skin and Earth, number one from Dynamite Entertainment. Why are we doing so many Dynamite books this episode? Uh, because so Keen Spot wouldn't get back to me. <laughs> Those jerks in American mythology just won't talk to me, it's period. 32 pages for $3.99. You hear that, American mythology? Yeah. You're a jerk. Calling you out. 
This book is written and drawn by alt-pop phenomenon Lights. She is a singer-songwriter whose saccharine sweet girl pop does nothing for me. But I have to say, I did not mind her comic book storytelling at all. Lights is known for her bright red hair, and she happens to look exactly like her main character in this dystopian future story of a country run by corporate interests where the poor are considered a different species, and money will buy anything. This opening issue doesn't map out much of the world, but it does a nice job fleshing out the main character, a young girl from the wrong side of the wall that separates the rich from the poor, attending college on the other side. Light's art was quite striking, too, at times. We've seen several comics from musicians in the last few years, but not any that I can recall said rock star was writing and drawing. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I don't think so. We haven't seen any double threats, right? I'm giving like to skim it because I would have liked to have seen some more world building, but this really was an impressive first effort. Yak! That is the sound of a huge yak puking in Forger's face. That's ironic. As I know. As seen in the pages of Bug, The Adventures of Forger, number three. Submitted by Tom Barnett. He's at tphoto10 on the Twitter. Hey. Uh, Anno who I have decided is the Goocher of Onomatopoeia of the Week, right. also submitted one, but we got to give everybody a chance. Okay, okay. If you want to submit some yak-worthy onomatopoeia, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. And if you need more speedy reviews of this week's comics, head over to twoheadednerd.com and check out some more new comic reviews from comics therapy host Aaron Myers. He's back, baby. Yep. They're guaranteed to make you lose your lunch. Yeah, I threw up all over my computer. It was disgusting. This week, we welcome Monsieur Malat and his lover, The Brain, to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. For those unfamiliar, Monsieur Malat was a gorilla that had his IQ lifted to genius level by the scientist who would go on to be a brain in a jar, known only as The Brain. I'm not sure we ever learned the true identity. Um, I don't know. It's not on his wiki page. I, I don't know enough about those characters <laughs> to know. I do, I do know that they're boyfriends. The two have helped us hack into Diamond Comics Master Control Unit so we could steal the secrets of next week's comics. Joey, what does this charming interspecies gay couple have you excited to read next week? <laughs> interspecies inter... Inter... Interbody? Inter... Nah, just species. He doesn't even have a body. Don't do that to Brain. Come on. <laughs> I'm not trying to body shame him. Yeah, you are totally he's got body no shaming body. the Brain, all right? <laughs> I mean, he's very slim. You can say that. <laughs> My pick for next week is Catalyst Prime. Superb, number one, from Lion Forge, written by David Walker, with art by Ray Anthony Height. It's 32 pages for $3.99, and here's your solicit. Teenager Kayla Tate is forced to move back to her hometown, Youngstown, Ohio, an event-designated level 5 impact zone. Sounds scary. Yeah. Compared to her new life, returning to Youngstown is a step backwards. She has a strained relationship with her childhood friend, Jonah Watkins. School is a nightmare, and everyone is talking about the mysterious superhero and internet sensation, Cosmosis. That's a bad name. And his nighttime battles against the supposedly... (laughs) Both of those. I feel like there was something else I there. I think maybe they cut out something, but that's where it ends. Because the supposedly is not a very menacing name. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, I love the Catalyst Prime superhero universe so it's been far. been really great so far. Excel uh, uh, was really good. Yeah. There was the uh, Noble was the other one, yes. I think, that started. So I'm excited to check out all of these new books. Uh, this one, 
It's called Superb, which makes me think it's going to be like a Superman sort. Maybe. But the cover doesn't make it seem like that. So I'm not really sure. David Walker's great. Excited to check it out. One way to find out. Read it. It's the only way. Yeah. What do you got for next week? My pick is Generation Gone, number one from Image. It's written by Ailish Cott with art by Andre Araujo. You got to move your mouth like this when you say it. 56 pages. It makes you sound like Falcor from Never Ending Story. (laughs) I'm a luck dragon. I don't eat children. 56 pages for $4.99. That's not bad, right? Image doing it right. Here's your solicit. America, 2020. Three young hackers with nothing to lose. A secretive scientist with a plan. One. Final job. What happens when you're poor, angry, and get superpowers you never asked for? This is where the solicit breaks down, and I hate it. Skins plus unbreakable equals Generation Gone! Sort of. What's Skins? Skins was like uh, an MTV show that was adapted from a BBC show about like young punks having sex and doing drugs. (laughs) Okay. If you also include multiple trips... Okay, so it's sort of like that. If you also include multiple trips to the sun, weird black goo, a breakup fight inside a nuclear factory, love, hate, anger, loss, and survival. Generation Gone! Is for every kid struggling out there. It's about what it means to be young in the USA in 2017, even though it takes place in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) I added that last part. I don't know. I didn't catch that. (laughs) Look, I love Ailish Scott. I love Andre Araujo. This sounds completely freaking nuts and the kind of story he's going to nail. Pick this one We'll see. It's going to be fun. Uh, I find that I read the first one or two of every new Ailish Cott book and then don't ever revisit it. I really like him. (laughs) Except for when he was writing Secret Avengers because that book was awesome. It was great. The THN trade of the week goes to Ether, not Ether. Ether. Volume one, Death of the Last Golden Blaze trade paperback. It's from Dark Horse Comics written by Matt Kent with art by David Rubin, who we talked about earlier in the show. That's true. It's 152 pages for $14.99. Here's your solicit. A science-minded adventurer gets mixed up in the mysteries of a fantasy world in this charming new adventure from an award-winning creative team. Boone Diaz is an interdimensional explorer, a scientist from Earth who has stumbled into a great responsibility. He's got an explanation for everything. So, of course, the Ether's magical residents turn to him to solve their toughest crimes. But... Maybe keeping the real and the abstract separate is too big a job for just one man. Did you keep up with this one? Yes, Did I you? loved it. Yeah. This collects Ether 1 through 5. Absolutely pick it up. It's really good. I'm going to have to catch up on this it, one, too. Matt Kent, Matt Kent and Jeff Lemire both, I feel yeah. like they came up at the same time. They're super buddies. Yeah, they're they, killing it. They're just killing it. They are so imaginative, and they're so great at building worlds. Yeah. Ether was a great concept, and David Rubin is an amazing artist. Uh, absolutely love this book. Definitely pick it up. 15 bucks. Come on. What do you got to lose? Don't other be than, a jerk. What do you have to lose other than 15 bucks? Now that you know what we're excited to read next week, we want to hear from you. So hit us up on any of our social media platforms and tell us what you think we should be reading. I know there's stuff that you guys want to hear us discuss. Tell us about it. I just want to thank Monsieur Mala and the Brain for this lovely rosé they brought. Oh, wonderful. Joe, I wish we were that cute of a couple, you know? Sorry, we're not. The kind that everybody wants to go antiquing with. We're fat and ugly. You know. Sorry, deal with it. And after this scripted bullshit, it's time for Matt and I to wake the trolls of the internet. That's right. It's time for our famous cover-to-cover segment where you suckers do all the work. Matt, open the phone lines! It's time to play 
cover to cover. And what does that mean, Joe Patrick? That means it's time to reset the question of the week. Reset the question of the week. Thank you. <laughs> this week's question came from D. Murray, who wanted to talk about replay value. Okay. As we discussed on last week's podcast, replay, replay value is uh, a, kind of like a video game review buzzword where they sure. talk about like, how much fun can you still have from a game that you paid 60 bucks for after you finish it for the first time? Yeah, after you finish story mode or whatever. Go back and collect all the Riddler trophies, uh, you know, keep fighting your friends in online, whatever. Sure. That sort of thing. Sure. So he wants to know like what comic or book or movie or show has the most replay value. I love it. For you. I love it. It's as easy as calling us at 402-819-4894 to get on the show live. And as always, Joe Patrick posts these questions in the forums. If you can't be around Saturday morning, call us. Leave us a message. Send us an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com, whatever. And we'll play it on the show just like we're about to. Let's get into it. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who this? Hey, it's Shonix. What hey. up, Shonix? How you doing? No, I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm doing what are you good. Guys up to? <laughs> oh, you know. I've just... been watching you guys live. I'm almost I'm tempted to watch me calling in live now on Facebook. Okay, you can but do that, I don't but wanna just, there's like a six second delay, myself. and you'll yeah, you'll feel like you're traveling time. Yep. And if your hands start right. to like blink out, like Back to the Future style, turn it off. Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just play Johnny Good, right. it'll be fine. Yeah, hurry up, make out with your mom, and then you'll be fine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Finally, it out. What do you want to rap about, brother? Well, oh, there's so many things. Spider-Man: Homecoming coming so good. Right. Saw it two times. It was great. So, back to back so good but that's all i want to say about that the secret i had was i've seen all the transformers movies oh my god you have i really? just want to let you know about that matt i wasn't even fully convinced that they all existed like there were some of them right, that sounded it, like bullshit like dark of right, the moon I, I, what was that about yeah <laughs> I mean, I, the fact that you i, I want to apologize because you know somebody that's seen them all oh so man that ruins it you like, can you you can stop knowing me that's fine we can just cancel this friendship out no but i just no. want you to know that I, you know if you run for office you'll have that stain yeah you know? <laughs> yeah to be like Transformers <laughs> false flag advocate Matt Baum was outed this yeah. week by Shonix. <laughs> right, right. And I, I gotta say, the last one was this newest one is so fucking terrible. <laughs> I heard it, it was, so was a mess. Like I heard it barely. I want my money back. I heard it was barely a movie. Like they almost didn't write it correctly. <laughs> no, it, it was. It was. So bad. It was like Matt uh, Michael Bay saw Stranger Things and was like, "Hey, I want to put kids in my next movie." Oh no! Yeah. God. And but he didn't do it right. <laughs> uh, Sean, I'm I'm watching Ben Morris's respect for you crumble to nothingness live on video. Uh, first, he well, wanted to say, "Hey, Sean, clean up on aisle 10. Uh, <laughs> shout out to their shared past. Uh, but yes, it's adorable. Oh wow. Uh, Ben, Ben, who you know, Matt, my friend Ben. Yeah, yeah, I know Ben. Uh, used to work with Sean. Oh, because uh, he went to college in Sean's hometown, which oh, is why right. I have known Sean for twenty years. Okay, there we go. That's crazy. It, it stupid. all comes That's together. a huge number. I can't believe it's true. And not as huge as the amount of money Sean has paid to see Transformers movies. <laughs> Holy crap! You've given them a lot but of money. Stop it, Sean. The, <laughs> the, the, car, the cartoon's still the best. Oh yeah, without a doubt, uh, hands down. Cartoon's still the best. 
And I got I also had to do some background. I started reading Thor with Dan Jurgens. I'm just going to put this out here right now. Okay. Oh, yeah. I started reading I started reading Thor with Dan Jurgens. I later then went back and started picking up all the Simonson stuff. Okay. That's why I like I think I hold Simonson so close to my heart because that stuff's really kind of is actually fresher oh, to yeah. me than most people. I don't know. I think I know what Aaron's doing. He writes for trades. I get that. I right. understand that. He drags his stories out. I understand that. I get that. That's fine. But that's that's why he hasn't taken the. He's good, but he hasn't taken the belt. Okay. I just want to put that out there. I All just right. Want to put that out there. You're referencing not, the the Orca's question from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and you were trying to start a fight. There's no fight. It's all fights. Trying to start no fight. People, you're like, he's like, Seanick's calling the orca out. No, no, no one's calling nobody out. Don't be afraid to stab the orca. He's old. He probably can't even defend himself here. Although he is. Well, I I still believe it's you, though, Matt. But that's no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) This Facebook Live's gonna ruin that too. Everyone's gonna. Well, I mean, I guess I can pre-record it and send it in. Seanick, thank you for your Uh, call. It's good to hear from you, brother. Hey, great to hear from you guys. Good seeing you today, and uh, I'll see you next week. <laughs> awesome. See you, buddy. Uh, oh, sorry. Caught him off before he could say goodbye. Sean X, old friend of ours, as you can tell. Super sweet. Uh, sorry about the beeping. Zach Hollowell's messaging us. Knock it off, Zach. Caller, thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Who this? Hi, it's Heather. Hey, Heather. How are you? I'm good. Uh, welcome aboard, by the way. You are, I believe, our first female caller. Am I right? <laughs> our, our first wow. female live caller. <laughs> yes. I, we weren't even sure girls still existed on the internet that like comics. It is good to hear from you. <laughs> Thanks. What's you, on your mind today, Heather? Um, well, I'm actually calling because um, I'm pretty new at comics. My okay. husband actually got me into them. Um, you so married far, a nerd. Good my, for you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so far, my favorite comic has been Nailbiter. Um, oh, yeah. I loved, I loved that. But now I have nothing else to read because I don't know anything. So where does so she go from Nailbiter? for something similar to that or something um, else I really loved was I Kill Giants. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. that's a... Uh, oh. Made a mess of these two gentlemen. Let me tell you, <laughs> cried like babies. <laughs> Those are two pretty different, uh, pretty different properties. Yes, they're very different. Well, he had to get me sucked in somehow. So he gave me a variety. That's the way to do it. <laughs> right try, a, try a bunch of different things. That's how I like it. Um, so you're not so much looking for superhero tales, from what I'm guessing. You're looking for more sort no, of like not really. Okay, mystery, a rooted somewhat in the real world type stuff. Yeah. Okay. So my go-to for new readers, especially people that are looking for something a little bit more uh, reality-based and not uh, necessarily super heroic, is Why the Last Man. Yeah, that's a great one. Which is a wonderful book by Brian K. Vaughn, is the author. And it's the sort of book that lasted a long time. It ran for 60 issues. And so if you like Mm -hmm. it, if you pick up the first book and you love it, then you have a nice long chunk you can binge you know it. you yeah. can you can binge yeah, this right. it's and like, you're done it's like getting into a great show that's got lots of seasons yes um mm-hmm. so uh, why the last man is about uh, a guy named yorick 
who wakes up one day and finds out that he is literally the last man alive on earth. Yeah, essentially disease wiped out all the men, right. except for a, one. A plague a plague swept through the planet that killed everything with a Y chromosome, uh, except for Yorick and his pet monkey, Ampersand. And so he immediately becomes the most valuable person on earth. And so it's not like in a, like, look how important this guy is, right? It's really about the stories of the women that are trying to uh, keep society from disintegrating right. around him and mm-hmm. also while like protecting him so that the species doesn't die out. It's full of political intrigue. Um, it's just kind of science fiction-y enough uh, so that... Um, not like there's ray guns and aliens or anything. No, not at all. But it's it's got a lot of like kind of fantastical elements, uh, like the plan uh-huh. to, like their plan to save the human race and uh, and. Um, but it's it's very real world world right. in the sense like The Walking Dead, like like that. Right, but it's not a horror book. Okay. It's no, more not of like at all. a. Uh, it's more of. It's an overarching mystery. I mean, right. It yes. kind of, it kind of runs the gamut. There's a mystery involved, like what happened, what caused the plague. Right. Uh, there's like a uh, sociopolitical stuff. There's, it's, uh, kind of thrilling at times. Uh, I would say even there's like some military stuff in there oh, from definitely. time to time. And it it's has this huge though. cast of female characters that he meets, uh, just trying to survive. He's trying to get to Washington DC because his mom, uh, works in the government. And so by default, she's like the most powerful person in the U.S. government. She effectively becomes, yeah, she becomes the president more <laughs> right. or less because she's the highest left ranking member of Congress. But yeah, so. Why the Last Man is amazing. He's also writing a book right now called Saga, which is another great oh, one for new readers. Heather, you would love Saga. That's a... Um, it's Star Wars with a heart. It's so wonderful. It's, as, it's a love story. It's Romeo and Juliet but they haven't killed themselves yet. And they have a baby. And it's like two members of two warring alien races that accidentally god I'm, I'm trying not to quote rihanna i was gonna say found love in a awful place or whatever that damn song is she sings uh, but saga <laughs> Just is it. wonderful absolutely pick that up it and that's still running so that's when you could jump into you could binge catch up and then you boom you got a in monthly fact, book uh, not, not long ago maybe a month or so ago a saga came out with an issue that was a jumping on point for new readers it was, 25 it was cents. only 25 cents so you can head to your local comic book store, see if they have copies of it still. Yeah, you get a sample. And if you like that 25 cent issue, you can go back and buy the first collection and, and start from there. But it's a, it's a really good... I don't remember it even spoiling all that much no. about the story per, that preceded. No, not at all. It just um, sprinkled enough that you're like, oh, that's what this is about. And right. you can jump right in. So spend a quarter, see if you like the flavor of it. And then if you do, there's lots of collections you go can Go grab into. the trades. What about a horror book? A horror book. See, I was going to um, throw them. That would be great. I have to tell you, actually, I'm standing here looking at my husband's collection. And I found the first volume of uh, Why the Last Man. So. Oh, there you go. Oh, awesome. No excuses then. <laughs> I will read that one. There you go. As far as a horror book goes, I would say, um, oh, 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 what's the Cullen Bunn uh, Dark Horse book that he's writing right now? Harrow County. Yes, Harrow County. That's another one. I think it's only eight or ten issues in. Uh, there are a couple. There are a few volumes, right? In, I think. So yeah, you could start. That's another one you could binge on, and boom, you've got mm-hmm. another monthly book. It is wonderful. Harrow County's a, a period piece. It kind of takes place in the Deep South at the early part of the twentieth century, and it's about this young girl who kind of slowly discovers that she's a witch. Yeah, 
and the community around her is definitely invested in finding out more about that. There's like a dark secret, a yeah. dark history. Uh, it's very creepy. She's sort of digging into the history of the town, the people, her own family. It's so good. You uh, would love it. Colin Bunn actually has several horror books out right now. Yeah. Uh, Regression is one. Um, Regression is also very good. And um, that's he, That's like his body horror book. Yeah, it's Ugh. really gross. It's yucky. <laughs> it's a very David Cronenberg kind yeah. of disgusting. Uh, and then there's another book that I'm really enjoying. It's only two issues in. It's called The Unsound. Yeah. Uh, it takes place in a mental asylum. It's this about this woman who starts uh, uh, as a nurse at a, at a mental hospital. And on her first day, she immediately gets sucked into this like terrifying nightmare that's happening in secret in the bowels of this hospital. Highly recommended. I, there are only two issues in, so you can get in on the ground floor on those books. Yeah. Heather, we just gave you a ton of stuff to read. I want you to pick you up. You can read so much. You don't have to pick it all up, but pick up some of it. Call us back. Tell us if we're on the right path or, or if we're complete idiots. <laughs> all right. I will. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for your calling. call, Heather. Welcome aboard. Thanks. That was awesome. That was See, awesome. I knew there were women that listened to the show. I knew it. Heather, if you are listening to this show, uh, Patrick Kavanaugh, who is a friend of ours, suggested Flinch. Ooh, yeah. Which is a book from Vertigo that I think is just now coming out in collected form. It's true, and it's excellent. But we got a call coming in. Hello, caller, and thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Who this? Jeff Hit. Jeff Hit. I hear your crazy children in the background. Are they killing each other? Yeah. Jeez. They're having a nerf battle in the place. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> What's happening, brother? What do you want to rap about? I wanted to talk about replay value. Replay value. Nice. The question, the question of the, of the week. week. All right. All right. So that one's really was really hard for me because there's probably two or three series that I really uh, I, I go back to all the time. So I had to decide which one I go back to the most. Okay. And that's what I'm judging on. And I, and actually, it, it really came down to Starman by James Robinson. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, or or Astro City. And the more I thought about it, the more I felt like Astro City had the better replay value. Okay. And. Uh, the reason what was was because it was just more variety of story. Uh, you know, Starman is one kind of unified thing, but Asher City has so many different great storylines that he does. So if I feel like, you know, if I want like gritty crime, I can go to the Dark Ages. Yeah. If I want, like, if I want weird time travel stuff, or if I want, you know, <clears throat> slice of life, um, you know, I can pretty much go anywhere and and replay it. So um, yeah, Asher City I think has got one of the best you know, is the best replay for me. That's a great answer. And I, you're absolutely right. The way that they like told the story of all the different heroes, their backgrounds, where they came from, like there were some from space, some from the like ancient times, some from other dimensions. Yeah. Astro city is all over the place. Oh yeah. Are you, are you guys caught up with the current storyline? No, uh, no, um, I'm woefully so he, behind. Same. He's been doing this. I don't want to, I won't, won't spoil anything, but he's been doing this great storyline where, there's this character who is like breaking the fourth wall and basically trying to prepare you, the reader for the coming of the Oribos. Okay. And it's got this really great kind of like nineties vertigo feel like, like, like shade, the changing man or cool. Sandman kind of stuff. So it's like even self it's even referential to that kind of feel of that, those early vertigo books. Um, awesome. And there's these characters that, that are, like he's telling you stories from like different decades. So one story might be set in the twenties and then the very next issue it's set in like the eighties and the very next issue it's set. Now it's just great. So awesome. like it's just jumping around. 
So I, I really want to see where he's going with this, and I'm really excited when it's done. But it's a it's a great ride as it goes along. I got to catch up. I do too. I got to catch yeah, up. And yeah. the the thing that I appreciate about Astro City is that even though it does take place in certain time periods, depending on what story he's telling, uh, it's got a timeless quality to it. Absolutely. As opposed to Starman, yeah. which you know, Jeff, I love is my favorite comic run of all time. It's very dated. But it takes it's very nineties. It takes place in a certain time period, right? And yeah. going back to it now, you like. He's making Chris Isaac jokes. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, Chris Isaac yeah. is still huge. Okay. Look, Screw I love you. Chris Isaac. So whatever, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Astro city, you can read that. I feel like you can pick up that book any time period ever. Yeah. And read it yeah. and, and be, and have an enjoyable read that yeah, doesn't it's, feel it's like a modern silver age read. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, yeah. pick up and, a Nerf weapon yeah. and beat the hell out of your children for me. Will you I tell will. Uncle Matt hey, says hi? I, I called in and left a message. Don't play it. Deal. I won't Got do it. it. You don't Thanks, have to guys. tell us twice. <laughs> I won't do it. <laughs> Take See it easy, Jeff. Jeff. See ya. Bye. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? This is Ethan. How are you guys doing? What Ethan? up, Ethan? How are you, brother? You're getting to be a regular. Man, uh, you, you know, you take my question there and you, you just stroke that ego. That's what we do. And I'm like, all right, I, That's I'm in, what guys. We do. And, and now you show me your beautiful faces live. Hey, I shaved. <laughs> I shaved and everything. <laughs> what do you want to rap about, brother? First thing I, I wake up, turn my phone on, and see that you guys are on there. I'm like, well, I guess my plans changed for the morning. Oh. I'm going to watch these guys. I'm sorry <laughs> that you're wasting your time this way, but we appreciate it. Huh? You're ruining my life. But <laughs> what do you want to rap so about? Good. So uh, the replayability, I was calling one of the movies alone. I didn't want to talk about this much, but the matrix, I just can't help but watch that first movie anytime. Oh yeah. I see it on the shelf. I'm like, all right, I got to watch this and it might be controversial, but I still actually enjoy the second and third, not to the same degree, but I, I, too, I enjoy man. watching them. I'm I haven't, with you. I haven't seen them since the theater. Them. I know. It's like, it's like, I feel like back in the day, everybody got pissed because they found out the Matrix was a sci-fi film. It's like, well, what did you think was happening? No, you know? that's yeah. not the case at all. You knew the Matrix was a sci-fi film from the second the movie started. No, I know, but like they told you, this is what's going on. This is what the world's like. And now the next movie, we're going to show you the world. And they were like, well, then it went to like the world and everything. That was dumb. I, I, they told you what was coming. And yeah. that's pretty cool. Yes, the rave scene was stupid. Look, I mean, Whatever. it's not that it's not that like <laughs> originally written in the script as an orgy, by the way. Yeah, it's not that it's not that seeing the real world was bad. It's that people wanted to see things happening in the Matrix. Like, show us the real world, fine. Right. But we don't want to see a movie called The Matrix and have it take place almost exclusively in the real world. That's I get boring. It. I get it. Also, they it just became this kind of like wank fest about their the Wachowskis' personal philosophies. What? It's like, here's a character that's sort of a vampire, and he's gonna make this lady have an orgasm by eating a piece of cheesecake. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> if you play the movie, I don't care. <laughs> I'm with you, Ethan. The movie, I like it. The movie that came, uh, uh, sorry, the video game that came out around the same time of the sequels called Enter the Matrix. It was right. on PlayStation. Yeah, it's a fun game. Oh, that was fun. Um, but like in that scene, you go to the Merovingian's castle or whatever, right? And you're fighting like literal werewolves because that's his deal. <laughs> They're werewolves and vampires. It's bizarre. Well, you know, I mean, you can program whatever you want. Now, Why not? Like, I'd like to revisit the the movies because I have not seen the sequels since we saw them in the theater. But I've yeah. seen them since then. I just remember, like, man, how great I saw the Matrix one in a theater in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, with Ben. 
who I've mentioned three times on this show. And we left that movie going, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Holy shit. I saw it in a dollar theater with my friend Matt Bowen, and it, it blew me away. Oh, my God. Good answer. So, yeah. So I, one of my favorite uh, novels, I wanted to talk about novels. So okay. We don't do that too much on the show. No, let's is, do it. Uh, Stephen King's It. I just can't stop reading that anytime, even though it takes forever to get through because it's so huge. Oh, yeah. That I just love that book. It's one of my favorite books of all time. Are you nervous about the movie? Yes, that's what I want to talk to you guys about. I'm nervous. It looks like it's a single movie, at least so far, but the whole first movie is only going to be about the kids. Yeah. Which worries me because the whole point is the balance between them as kids and then as adults. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to lose that. And everything I've seen, quality of everything I've seen that? from the movie, from what they're teasing us with, is basically like, oh yeah, remember the creepy clown? Oh, the clown, the clown. It's so creepy that clown. Like, okay, I get it, but that was yeah, not. Yeah, the clown's the, not even that. No, it's not even that big a part book. of a book. That's what worries me. It's like they're going to take this one part of it and focus on that, and that's all we're going to get. And yeah, I feel like it might just be a decent like horror movie, but not have the nuances and what makes that book so special. Right. If they were going to do it right, it should have been a series. They should have done it as a series. Do you guys have a, a favorite Stephen King book? The Stand is my favorite Stephen King book. Far and away. I love <sighs> The Stand. Oh, my God. That book. Man, was, that just didn't. Oof. That book it didn't end well for me. <laughs> well, it wasn't supposed to. I don't think like, I just liked it. They kick in the stomach that you got the whole time. Oh, it was great. I haven't read a, a ton of Stephen King. I, I read it in high school and it like ruined my life for months. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't grow up as a, as a real fan of horror. Joe Patrick is a horror baby. Um, in more recent years, I'm, I've expanded my, my horizons a little Still bit. Still a horror baby. But yeah, back then <laughs> I was not into it and I read it and it was just like, no, thank you. No. Um, so I guess my favorite Stephen King novel is the green mile, <laughs> which I have right. read in its entirety. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Ethan, thank you for your call, buddy. Nice. Well, I like that you steered us yeah, off into of novels course. for a minute there. That was fun. Yeah, cool. I'll uh, be back next week. Enjoy your live time, and I'll go back to watching your face. All right, buddy. All right. Thanks for the call. All right, Zach. You got to stop hanging up on people. Well, I think they both <laughs> called at the same time. There's nothing I could do. No, I mean, you hung up on Ethan in the middle of him saying well, goodbye. Thought, yeah, I thought he was done. <laughs> Zach, call us back. It's open. That jerk Ethan is gone. Come on, man. Get in here. Why don't you just call him? I mean, I could. Do it. Or we could play a voicemail while we wait, too. We haven't done any of those yet. Who's our first? Who's our first? Is it? Let's see. Um, I'm going to say it's. Oh, there's Zach. I knew he'd get us. All right. Okay. Hold on. First email would be from Scott Clark. Okay. We'll go back to the hangouts. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. I'm going to pretend like I don't know who it is. Who it is? This is Zach Hollowell. How are you boys doing? How did hey. I know? <laughs> We're good. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I got a few things to say. First off, I will message you as much as I want, and you will fucking take it, and you will love it, Wow! and you will respond. Unwanted. Unwanted so, messaging. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> I don't feel whatever, safe. Whatever, dude. <laughs> whatever. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're going to have to deal with it. All right. So refresh me real quick. What's the question of the week? I think I know, but I'm not sure. The replayability question. A story, a, a TV show, a movie that you revisit over and over again. What has the best replayability? 
Okay. Book and movie real quick. Okay. Very fast. Movie Brazil. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Brazil is a beautiful movie. Um, and there's a couple different edits even, you yeah. know, if you want the happy ending or the not happy ending. Um, very poignant for what's going on in our country right now. Which one do you like more? The happy or the unhappy ending? I actually kind of like the love conquers all. The I happy do too. Ending. I'm a sucker for the happy ending. It's, it's yeah. the unhappy ending. I watched it and was like, okay, I mean, that's still fun. I guess I liked it, but that happy ending. Oh, it kills me every time. Yeah. So good. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Um, now for a book, there's a book series, uh, called Johannes Cabal and, uh, Richard Howard. I think Howard's definitely his last name. I don't remember his first name, okay. but the first book is, um, Johannes Cabal necromancer. And it's a story about a dude who is like, it's kind of like post world war one, I believe. And he's a necromancer, but he's like a gentlemanly kind of guy. Who's also a sociopath and like, doesn't understand people. And he, the story begins with, he has wagered his soul to Satan to learn, you know, the rules of necromancy. Well, he finds out he can't do his experiments without his soul. So he goes back to hell. He tricks. It's hilarious. Hell. And he says, and he says to Satan, uh, yeah, you got to give me my soul back. And he's like, well, no, we have to make a fucking wager. And the wager is that he's got to take like this old time train circus or carnival around the countryside. Oh my God. And get him a hundred souls in a year. Oh my God. Jeez. It's really awesome. And it, it turns into like a five series thing. And like the first one is, you know, that the second one is, it's like actually the least best book in the series because oh. it goes into kind of a steampunk kind of thing. Oh. But the story after that's a Cthulhu story. Can't do the steampunk. And, I'm allergic. Um, the Cthulhu story, it's not Cthulhu. It's actually Narlothotep that he messes with. It's Ooh. really cool. Ooh. And uh, yeah, but then it just keeps going. And when you find out what the story's actually about, like why he's trying to learn this, it becomes a really great story. All the supporting characters are wonderful. Highly suggested. Nice. I might have to check yeah. that out. That sounds creepy and gross. And I do it love does, creepy it, and gross. It does sound kind of creepy and Satan. And gross. Man, I love Satan. And, I got Satan on my shirt it, right now. <laughs> it's actually hilarious. It's, it's written in, I would almost say, um, like a Douglas Adams kind of way. Oh, no shit. It's like that kind. Yeah, it's like that kind of humor. God, you made it sound hyper serious just from, I, I would yeah. guess. Anyway, no. But. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it does have hyper serious parts. Right. But for the most part, I mean, there is like... You know, like there's one part where he's a carnival barker and he's doing it for the first time and he figures out he has to play on people's, you know, weaknesses. Right. So he's like, uh, okay, who has somebody that something they don't like about themselves? And some lady's like, I got too much body hair. He's like, we've got the dog faced boy. And somebody else is like, my teeth are a little long. And he's like, we've got the walrus. We've got the living walrus. And then the kid in the back is like, I'm a ginger. And he just turns to him and says, yes, you are. And he continues on. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to check it out. That sounds fun. No. And also, um, so I was sitting with my kid this morning and it occurred to me, something is missing from kids lives now. Okay. So I think this could be a good answer of the week. Best Saturday morning cartoon. Cause they don't exist anymore. They don't exist anymore. That's a good question. Yeah. We're doing it next week. That your favorite childhood yeah. Saturday morning. We already cartoon. announced the question of the week. Oh, no, damn we're it. Not. We'll do it the week we'll after that. We'll do it the week after. Yeah. Your favorite, favorite Saturday childhood morning Saturday morning cartoon. I love that. Yeah. We're doing it. That's a, that's, that's worth waiting for. I'll wait for that. Yes. Remind us. Otherwise uh, we will forget. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. true. But, but I'm going to message you and you'll have to answer that message. Oh, yeah. 
a messaging. <laughs> and also, I'm sorry about the picture I just sent you, Matt. That was actually my wife's idea, and she made me do it. Fair That's enough. okay. I'm going to use it as the uh, cover for the show notes for this week's episode. Oh, great. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, tell her thank you very much. I appreciate it. I will. Oh. All right. Have a good show, boys. Thanks, Bye, Zach. Zach. Thanks. Why won't they stop? Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Hey, Aquaman Superfan Patrick. Aquaman right. Superman Patrick. <laughs> How are you today, sir? I love that guy. Good. I'm just uh, sitting here chilling in my underwear watching you nerds. Hey, that's what we're doing, too. Um, all right. I wish. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it. What do you want to rap about? Uh, so a couple of things. Your uh, answer of the week, the replay value question. Okay. Uh, for comics... Joe, I'm guessing you can probably uh, guess what that is for me. Uh, at least once a year, I have to reread all of the Infinity Saga. Yes, oh, yes. All right. I suspected uh, as much. I thought you were going to say uh, Peter period. David's Aquaman or something. No, uh, but, no. Oh, my favorite Peter David stops me from rereading he's that. Your ne- yeah, he is your nemesis. Oh, that's right. He is my nemesis. I forgot. Um, so yeah, I can go back and reread that all like the tie-ins and all that over and over again. It's just, it's so, so good. Uh, but yeah, at least once a year, I got to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, re- um, I reread infinity gauntlet recently and it holds up, man. It's a good comic. Yeah, I read it not too long ago too. And it was, yeah, it's still fun. I don't know if I can hang with the sequels as Patrick can, but yeah. <laughs> I love infinity Listen, gauntlet. War and crusade. They're awesome. They're so good. I would say they got a little further away from the greatness of the first one. We can agree on that, right? Well, yes, we can certainly agree on that. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, as for a uh, rewatchable movie, in at least once, if not twice a year, it's got to be Joe Dirt. Uh, that, <laughs> I almost did a spit take. Just, Joe Dirt? Are you serious? <laughs> oh, man, I love that movie. I mean, can, can we not forget the complete Oscar snub it had in 2001. It did get like, snubbed. That, was the whole thing. that is true. It did get snubbed. That's uh, yeah. I don't know if it was much a snub, snub. as much as, uh, you know, Joe dirt deserved the accolades. Not invited. <laughs> well, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, tomato, tomato did not see the genius behind that movie, but I can watch that over and over again. Hey, you know what? I can get behind that. Potato, tomato. Potato, tomato. Um, I'm I'm really I'm really fond of uh, uh, the movie The New Guy starring DJ Qualls. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I've rewatched that a wow. lot. Oh my God, you guys! All right, I'm cutting this off. Patrick, thank you for your call. All right, thank you. Guys. I'm not giving Joe Dirt any love. Though. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's one thing I would have not seen coming. Infinite replayability of Joe Dirt. You know, I thought Although I will say they do show it on like, I think it's F no comedy central shows it during the day a lot. Well, they have to fill 24 hours, I guess. Uh, Patrick is also very fond of the uh, early 2000s Chris Rock movie. Pootie Tang. I love Pootie Tang. Oh, my God. I can watch the hell out of Pootie Tang over and over and over again. Oh, my God. <laughs> I barely got through it once. Oh, Pootie Tang's amazing. Shut Patrick, your mouth. Patrick loaned me his copy on DVD, and he's like, just watch it. Oh, I love it. And I, do, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're too white. That's your problem. <laughs> Patrick says Pootie is a close second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we killed just enough time again. Here we go. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who dis? Hey, it's Chase Magnet. Chase Magnet, what's happening, hey. brother? How are you? 
Uh, not too bad. Just got inside from uh, working out in the backyard all day. Oh, it's gross so, out there too. It's so humid. It is. It got really gross really fast. Yeah. People that say climate change doesn't exist need to come to Nebraska because it has turned into Vietnam. It is so <laughs> hot and humid. <laughs> gross. Oh, God. There's, there's like a sweat angel on the couch right now. It's really bad. Ugh, <laughs> clean that <laughs> up. And don't take us there. God. <laughs> Chase, what do you want to rap about other than sweat angels? Uh, I, a couple weeks back, I promised you guys I would read Gwynpool. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so here, here's the thing. I don't love it. But honestly, I have a hard time saying it's like any worse than like the current Amazing Spider-Man or Deadpool. Like it's pretty much on par with most of Marvel's output. I don't disagree. And it with occasionally that. has some like really clever or funny moments. It's one of those things where it's like I, I just feel like there's like some unearned hate for it because the stuff about it being like, oh, we mixed up Gwen Stacy and Deadpool is something that the book actually plays off of in a pretty funny way. A couple times, there's a point where she meets up with Miles Morales and they're talking and he's like, Oh, Gwen Stacy. She's like, why does everybody assume that Gwen Stacy is the only Gwen in existence? (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's clever. (laughs) Clever enough. You see, like for me, it's never, it's never about, it's never been about the execution of the book because to be fair, I haven't read it. It's just that I can't get my head around how stupid I think the idea was to begin with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm happy, I'm happy that it's, that it's decent and that people like it. I just, well, and that speaks to the creators that are on it. It's They're, like, it's edge of venom verse, man. It's like, yeah. Okay. You did a, you did a th- series of venom variant covers and now you're going to build a 12 issue maxi series out of it. Yes. That's, I think that's where I'm at too. That's what bothers me about it. It just, it just feels like cash grab. And like you said, you're already doing a lot of this stuff in Deadpool you're already doing a lot of this stuff in Spider-Man. How much of this do we need? But know? I mean, Marvel making cash grabs is nothing new. No. Uh, and, or, or DC for that matter. It's, yeah, or any comic company. Yeah, I mean, they, they know their audience and they're trying to pluck us like a, like a harp. <laughs> I guess it's working. Chase, this is the first defense I've ever heard of Gwenpool. I love it. Yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things where people are like, oh, that, that's, a, that's an easy target. But honestly, like if we want to we want to talk about what creators are trying to accomplish or like within the, the confines of Marvel making every crash cash grab they can and calling it the, a world changing event. <laughs> yeah. um, honestly, I think, I think Dan Slott's Spider-Man deserves a lot more shit than Gwynpool. Really? Like the current story arc that I caught up to uh, in Gwynpool, they're doing this, this fourth wall breaking stuff, which isn't new, but the way they're doing it is really entertaining. It's amusing. It's, it's kind of a fresh take on something that's been around for a while. And Dan Slott's Spider-Man is just boring as hell to me these days. Huh? All right. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I have fallen behind on amazing Spider-Man, but I have, I mean, I'm only like, I'm going to say four, four or five issues behind and I'm still enjoying it, but it has been going the same route for a while. I mean, Dan Slott's been writing it for something like 300 issues. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's, he's, he's just kind of cycling around you know, to the same it does, old concept. It is starting to feel they, like he's they just announced. They just announced that the the legacy storyline is going to be about Peter Parker losing everything and going back to being the way he was for the fifty years prior. Well, no shit. Like we didn't see that. Coming. It's like okay, well, right, but that's the problem, right? Yeah. Is that it's like, of course they are. Yeah, the problem is no shit. Like we didn't see that. <laughs> right, <coming>. exactly. <laughs> At least Gwenpool is different. I'll give it that. I'll give it that. So all right. So that that's my uh, that's my sense of Gwynpool. There is one other thing I wanted to throw out there this week for listeners, um, and I know that you guys try to avoid politics a little bit, but this one does impact comics. Okay. Uh, what I want to say is that anybody who's comfortable making phone calls into this show, 
please make a phone call to both of your senators and ask them to vote against health care. And the reason this connects to comics is most people whose books we love and we love to support rely on being able to purchase health care on their own. And a lot of these folks, I don't want to name names, but if you go on Twitter, you'll see them talking about their, their pre-existing conditions, whether it's mental or physical. Yes. And they, they need access to health care. So this is something that will affect comics. No, and you are absolutely if we, correct. If we lose... If we lose the Affordable Care Act, we're going to see a lot less people able to make comics as, as a job. No, it's true. And we're going These to lose guys, a lot of great stories. If you work for Marvel, you work for DC, you work for Image, you are freelance. They are not giving you any benefits. These guys rely on... Yeah, I mean, unless you're like a Bendis you, well, or something. Even then, I'll bet he's got his own... No, nah, he's, he's, an, he's an exclusive employee. But, uh, probably. Yeah, he, he has a contract, yeah. Right. But yeah, a lot of these guys, but those yeah, are far and few between. they're freelancers yes, exactly. and they've got to go out and pay for this stuff on their own. And if we pull the Affordable Care Act, no, they can't afford health care. And a lot of the guys that can, we still read about these older creators that weren't taken care of because they never had retirement and stuff like that. And now they are sick and dying on their own. They're hooked up to machines to live, relying on the Affordable Health Care Act. The good news is yeah, it doesn't sound the, like the, hero initiative and, the good news is it doesn't sound like they have the votes to pass it, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't stay vigilant and call, you know? Well, it's right. Really, really close. And that's why I, I want to make sure that we're keeping our eye on the ball here because McConnell extended the recess out for two weeks. Um, Saw that. We right. don't have a third, like for sure vote on not even bringing it to the floor. Like things are really close. And that's the issue. It's like, you can't, West you Virginia can't or Maine, like make that call. Right. Right. And that's the, that's the, that's the issue with, uh, liberal or democratic voters it's like you can't just sit back and go oh they're not going to do it right. it's never going to pass it, because if you just think like that and do nothing it's definitely going to pass yes. because they keep moving the goalposts and you can't just get on facebook and go i don't like it and say there i did right. my part you know you got to do something so uh if you yeah. have, and if, it's, it's if, as easy as, as me making this call into the show and i'm telling you right now it's it's pretty easy and look and if, if you have time. if you have social anxiety about making phone calls and it's re it's a real thing. I've talked to people about it. There's something that you can do. It's called ResistBot, uh, and there is a number that you can text. And I don't have the number committed to memory. Look it up. Google ResistBot. You can text the number. Text the word Resist to this number. ResistBot will text you back. It will see where you're at, who your representatives are, and then it will draft a message of your choosing. And oh, automatically cool. fax it to that's pretty cool. your representative. Well, not fax it, but probably email it. Or well, text like a digital it. fax or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think it might actually be a uh, fax. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Weird. So yeah, if like there is literally no excuse okay. to contact your representative. Chase, thank you for your call. Thank you for your, so your social awareness. We appreciate. And it. And you don't have to apologize yeah. for it because Thanks we're in the we're in the bag for we're in the bag for that shit. Yeah, we're right there with <laughs> so. you. So don't worry, brother. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good Saturday. All right, Bye, you Chase. too. Now that we've just lost all our Trump voting Hey, we listeners. still got seven viewers. <laughs> we still got seven viewers. All right. Let's give these guys a break with the phone line. Let's go to our calls. Uh, yes. So first call came from Scott Clark at 622 AM this morning. Scott Clark at 622 this morning. That is too damn early. Good Lord. What are you doing awake this early, Scott? Well, he's older and he goes to bed earlier. What are you, so. an adult? Hey, Joe and Matt. This is Scott from Cog Falls, Ohio, calling in for the question of the week. And I'm going to have to tell you guys, I really struggle with this question. The question, of course, being uh, what has the most replayable value or the rewatchable value or the rereadable value or whatever you want to call it. Um, and 
I'm an old guy, as I mentioned before, so I have had many go-tos in my past. If you were to ask me what my most favorite uh, rewatchable movie was, if I was a teenager, I I would have said um, Creepshow um, oh, yeah. way back in the day. <laughs> but uh, if you ask me now, I'm kind of embarrassed by that answer. So I'm going to have to go recent with my answer, and I'm going to have to say uh, the most rewatchable movie uh, recently that I uh, have kind of liked is uh, the Captain America movies. Now, the first movie was, eh, it was okay, but definitely Winter Soldier definitely grabbed my attention. I watched that more than a dozen times. And uh, Civil War, same deal. That whole airport scene was awesome. Um, as far as comics go, my most rereadable comic recently is probably Grant Morrison's Multiversity, um, it, it, especially uh, the Pax Americana comic. It okay. was oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved how I took all the Carlton characters and uh, put them back into kind of like a, a Watchmen-esque comic. It was it was. I've read it more than a dozen times myself. Uh, all right. So that's my answer uh, for comics, multiversity, Pax, Pax Americana. And uh, for movies, it was definitely the Captain America movies, the Civil War and the uh, Winter Soldier. So there you go. Um, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Scotty, always good to hear from you, brother. Solid answers. Yeah, very solid answers. Pax Americana was amazing. Yep, and I rewatched the I rewatched the last two Cap movies recently. I think it's safe to say the Cap the Captain America movies are the best Marvel movies there are. Like, I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies they make me feel good. Yeah, they're fun, and that's why they're high up on the list. But right. I think that the Russo brothers Captain America films right are probably the best crafted. I'm Marvel really movies. looking forward to their Avengers movie too. I'm uh, really looking. I mean, Spider Man Spider Man Homecoming aside, which I adore so much. It was great. Uh, But yeah, I just love the arc from Captain America 1, which is also a good movie. Yes. Through Civil War. Oh, yeah. I just think it's been really great. I think it's kind of a shame. I don't think that there's another plan for another solo Cap movie. Not that I've heard yet. There's there's the Infinity stuff, and then there's uh, a, a, a proper Avengers 4. Right. And then Chris Evans is out. He's like he added he added one more movie to his contract, yeah. which so that they could have a proper like. Well, maybe three is it? Maybe they only want to do three. I mean, because that's well, been the number of Iron Man, Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, only be one more Thor. We know that. So Infinity War, they're kind of counting as one, right? Even though it's split into two. And then he said, like, he just wanted to do a proper fourth Avengers movie. That's not this huge crossover thing, right? And then he's done. Okay. So well, I don't know. Okay. I just I love those cat movies. I do too. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover, caller. Who this? Harvey Locust here, guys. How's it going? Good. Are you Hi. hanging on to the top of a semi-trailer right now? <laughs> um, uh, I must, must, must be breaking up, huh? Okay, no, no. We got you. It's for a second there, it sounded like you were in All a right. wind tunnel. <laughs> yes. How are you, sir? And what would you like to wrap about? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it is hotter than crap outside, so I do have, like, multiple fans running. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. It's disgusting. What do you want to rap about? First of all, I want to berate everybody for last week's answer and not saying the Legion of Doom headquarters from Super Friends. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's shaped like a skull. It sits in slaughter. It's not swamp. really shaped like a skull. <laughs> it's shaped like a turtle shell. Uh, kind of, but it had like- it's shaped like Darth Vader's head. Yeah, yeah, almost. yes, kind <laughs> of. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but also I wanted to answer this week's question. Yes. Um, 
the rewatch rewatchability or replay value. Star Trek: The Next Generation, guys. I don't think I ever stop watching it. I'm with you. Yeah, it's a great show. I still when I'm one of my like, favorites when I'm restless and having trouble settling down or whatever, I'll turn on like just any random episode and go or, go for yeah. it. I just watched the one where Picard was kidnapped by the alien, and that only spoken like in myths. And oh no, like, they weren't kidnapped. Uh, Darmok and he was marooned. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, Darmok, Darmok and Jalada Tanagra. But it turned out when the walls fell, they did it on purpose so they could be like, "This is how we have to connect," just like Darmok and Jalada Tanagra, the Beast of Tanagra, you know, and all that. And they learned, <laughs> oh man, these guys are all right, you know, <laughs> like, they just talk weird. Yeah. <laughs> I love that episode. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so I, I love it so much. But actually, I had never watched. Any, I never watched Voyager. I never watched Deep Space Nine. I never watched Enterprise. And so I just started watching Voyager, and I have to say it's up there, too. It's on Voyager's par. Great. I have, oh, I have, man. I'm, like, I'm almost done with season four right now, my first time through, and it's just it's been awesome. Right? It's so good. You do not need to watch Enterprise. Just don't. Yeah, look, uh, really? Because everybody's telling me that's the best. No, no, no. Deep and Space Nine is the best. Star whoever Trek is series. telling you that is the best is not a Star Trek fan. Look, it is look, not. Look. Now, best. don't be like that. Lots no, of people I'm, like Enterprise. I'm being like that. All right, Carrie. I'm sorry. I've, I've left the ringer on. Call me back, okay, brother? But it's not the best. No, that's uh, ridiculous. <laughs> look, this is this is an objective fact, Harvey. Star Trek Deep Space Nine is the best yeah. Star Trek show. Not necessarily my favorite. <laughs> Not necessarily my favorite because I've, I have such a soft spot in my heart for Picard and the crew right. of the Enterprise. But Deep Space Nine was but wonderful. Deep Space Nine is probably like critically the best Star Trek yeah. thing ever made. It's so well written. Oh uh, my God. Um, it's essentially, it's it's Wyatt Earp at the OK Corral or, yeah. or it's like a, a, a experienced sheriff who suffered a loss, goes to a lawless Western outpost. Right. To like bring law to the to the uh, the the deviants that live there, uh, it's basically yeah space western, and then in season three it becomes a space war movie. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, that's what everybody I've talked to about Deep Space Nine says. Just watch the Dominion Wars. That's the only thing worth watching. No I mean, way, I totally disagree. Uh, I, that's that's when it gets awesome, but it builds but to that. It kind of builds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I mean, you. I don't think you'll like it as much if you don't see the buildup. Honestly, uh, I think uh, yeah. the first three, se- uh, the first two seasons, are a lot more of like traditional Star Trek, like right. one-off episodes, right? Kind of building the lore and and building up the characters, and then yeah. uh, when season three or season four hits, I forget exactly when it happens, but I think it's season four. I think next, season three is the big buildup. Next generation ends. And then the next season of Deep Space Nine begins and Worf joins the cast of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> and from there, it's off to the races. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, I'm tingling just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start watching that again. Harv, thank you for your call. I appreciate you dragging us into Star Trek territory. It's one of my favorite places to go. Let's take it easy. All right, See you, buddy. buddy. Who tried to call just now? Someone named Carrie Walker. Carrie Walker? Yeah, I don't know. Whoops! Not, I don't want to sound there. I wanted to ring around. Uh, Allison York, who is a longtime lurker, never time caller. Yeah, uh, just posted in, on the video that she always imagined that you and I sat next to each other, not across, <laughs> like a weird couple in a booth at a restaurant. Like we held hands while we did the show. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're holding hands under the table. Yeah. Actually, you, you can't, can't see, see it. it. Yeah, we're holding hands. All right. Well, while we wait for Carrie to call us back, let's go to the Orca, see what he finds infinitely replayable. What? Never mind. Wait. Screw the Orca. Never mind. Caller, thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Who this? JD, gotta catch them all. What up, hey, JD? All right. How we doing, brother? Good, good, good. Are we calling? Hey, you guys are getting busy, aren't you? I know. All we had to do was get on Facebook Live, and people found out the show was a thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There were there there were people watching this video today that I didn't even know knew I had a podcast. That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you want to rap about? Are you in the lake house today? Uh, no, I'm not at the lake house today. Okay, uh, okay. I am, uh, but uh, I do have a Marvel thing I want to talk about. But first, I'm going to shoot out my answer of the week. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot because it's Warren Ellis again. I'm going to say Planetary. Yeah, I read yeah. it probably every yes. year, every six months. I I'm just sometimes. Gonna, I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, my answer was also Warren Ellis, but it was Transmetropolitan. Okay. So it, that guy oh, writes nice. that guy writes things that are easy to revisit. Yes. And yes. and fun to revisit, global and they don't frequency, get they that's don't another get boring. One. Yeah. Like oh man, you can go oh, back yeah, to yeah. just pick up any <clears throat> issue of Global Frequency and have a blast. Oh yeah, totally. But uh, no, I was I wanted to talk about Spider Man Homecoming. Nice. All right, hit us. Let's wrap. Yeah. Well, I, no spoilers because I know you guys are waiting on that. No, uh, screw it. But, it's been uh, a week. I'm saying spoil it. If you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> no that's your own damn fault. Spoil. Go. <laughs> well, I mean, the comment more. doesn't really have any spoilers. To it, I just wanted to say that this movie, more than any other, if there's any question, cements for me that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not based on the 616. Okay. No. no I mean, I agree. Based, it's 100% based on the 1610. The ultimate, the ultimate universe. universe. Okay. Ultimate Universe, yeah. You know, and it's especially with not only the inclusion of, uh, well, here's the spoilers. I mean, uh, you had. Uh, Glover playing uh, Donald Glover playing the Aaron prowler. Davis, yeah. the prowler. <clears throat> so right there, having Aaron Davis as the prowler instead of Hobie, whatever his name is. Hobie Carmichael. Hobie Brown. <laughs> uh, Hobie Brown, yeah. Hobie Brown is the prowler. I mean, there you are firmly in you know, the Ultimate Universe. I mean, all sorts of other things. I mean, the, mid, the, the Midtown Science Academy instead of, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're, at the, they're at the smart kid school. Yep, yeah. exactly. A uh, Genki, isn't it? <laughs> so. Yeah, Genki. Well, Ned Leeds, Genki. Yeah. All of that is so ultimate. But I mean, if you go back, sorry, uh, if you go back and watch the other movies, it, they're all, it's all the ultimate. It's definitely I mean, there. All the way, no, it's definitely there. Yeah. And I would argue that the Marvel Ultimate Experiment, where they set up these comics in the Ultimate Universe that was updated, I absolutely think they looked at that and said, this is the roadmap for our movies. Well, right. This I mean, is what well, we yeah. If you look at the ultimate universe, no the, the, the mandate of the ultimate universe was take the iconic concepts from right. the sixties and translate them to modern day. Right. Uh, even though the ultimate yeah. universe hit 17 years ago, like 2000. Well, it's still, you know, a massive it's still, update. Right, right, right. Um, and you know, they eventually had their own continuity, continuity to deal with and the comics kind of fizzled out. Sure. But yeah. just like the the modern take on the iconic idea, that's really all that yeah. makes it ultimate. Uh, and so, like yeah, right right out of the gate with Sam Jackson as Nick Fury, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, right, oh yeah. Well, and just uh, they, I mean, look at Cap's the, uniform. The, that is Ultimate yeah, Captain America. I mean, there's no yeah, question. Uniform, 
Yeah, Tony Stark's attitude. Right. Um, Thor's uniform, yeah, even. I, I mean, it's yeah, all. Thor, yeah. right, they're based in the Triskelion. Our yeah. shield is based on the Triskelion. Yep. You know, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I've actually been going back and uh, revisiting some of the Ultimate stuff because I was a big fan of it when it came out. Oh, I was, too. Uh, Ultimate X-Men. I mean, Ultimate X-Men kind of. It, looked, it had some ups and downs, but there was, there was some great Ultimate X-Men stories. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Beginning, I'm just saying at a certain point, they started losing their own mandate yeah. and, you know, falling into the trap that X-Men fell into the first time with the time travel and the convoluted continuity and things like that. Yeah, they just lost track of what they were doing. It was all it was, I think. And it's like, it it got away from, let's update these characters and tell modern stories to, okay, this week we're just going to grab this character and make an ultimate version of them. And uh, here's an ultimate version of the, you know, Morlock Massacre or whatever. I mean, and that's not Uh, what it was about. And for me, I think that the... I think that when you are telling stories in a universe where you can do anything, right? When you're you're not beholden to any old concepts necessarily, you have to be even more careful, right? They kind of fell into mm-hmm. the trap of doing things that they because they could do them and not because they should have done yes, them. Yes, that's what I'm. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. That all started with Jeff Loeb and Ultimatum and Ultimates Three. Yeah. Or they're like, yeah, and then yeah. the Scarlet Witch and the Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch are actually literally dating, and the Blob eats the Wasp, yeah. and then the next thing you know, yeah. Wolverine is dead. There is a new civil yeah. war happening in America. Yeah, like they broke it. Yeah, they went too far. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think though, I want, I will say that the Ultimate Universe did, did do one thing that I that I know a lot of comic fans didn't think possible. What's that? They made Gambit. They made Gambit cool. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue he still sucks, but he was slightly cooler well, in the Ultimate Universe. Wasn't um, <laughs> isn't isn't he like? Didn't Rogue absorb his mind or something? I don't know. I fell off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, Rogue became Gambit essentially. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah. Because yeah. Ultimate Gambit like dies pretty early on. It dies in quotes. Right. And Rogue yeah, ends stories. up like absorbing his his. Weird. Essence, yeah. Is Rogue into like yeah. ladies now? Is she like? <laughs> Don't be weird. Well, that was Remy LeBeau. Was I was like, oh, mon cheri, oh, my dear, oh, you know, like it was more like like he was, absorbs her, and she's like, oh my god, that guy is a pervert. It was, it was more like when Chris Claremont came There's back like and constant pornography playing in my brain. <laughs> like, damn it! <laughs> it was more like when Chris Claremont came back to the X books, and then suddenly Rogue was running around with Wolverine claws all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. Oh. Oh. X Men Forever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Stop. Jeff, thank you for your call. Always good to hear from you. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Um, I'm asking to respectfully skip the orca because my mother-in-law's watching. No way, dude. No way, dude. We played him in front of God and everybody at a. Oh, Comic-Con. All right. Lynn Heeman. Your mother-in-law. Stop is watching this video, She's please. an adult. I'm all right? very sorry. I can't control She's it. definitely heard worse than this. I promise you. Orca here. Good question this week. I got a little verbose for Oh, Comic-Con with my hash story last week. No, it was so great. This week, I'll stick to the script. <laughs> Replayability. My first instinct was Brubaker and Aja's immortal Iron Fist. Oh, yeah. Everyone raves about Aja and Hawkeye, but his Iron Fist stuff was so much better. Then I remembered something more recent. It's very rare 
that I read a new book twice in a row like this. But with almost every issue I read of Renato Jones, I immediately go back to the first page and reread it in the same sitting. This book, The Art, The Different Stories, is blowing me away. Call it instant replayability. But finally, it occurred to me that the piece I reread over and over is actually Jonathan Hickman's essay in the back of the trade paperback of the Nightly News and how he overcame himself, the only true resistance to doing what he wanted to do in life. Small teaser here, my next postcard is addressed to all aspiring comic book artists out there. And this essay is a great place to start. Kiss, kiss, boys. Okay, then. See, your mother-in-law's fine. He didn't do Look, anything wrong. You can't predict it. You can't, you can't predict what the orca will do. Yeah, you can't he's put like him in the box. The, he's the Jim Kirk of, of this show. He does what he wants. <laughs> he's the Jim Kirk. He cheats. He Kobayashi Maru's all over the dang hey, place. Hey, hey, he gets results, damn it. Okay? <sighs> <laughs> Renato Jones. Uh, we read the first one. And I didn't read past it. I recalled liking it. And maybe I need to return to it. The image book. Yeah, I remember it. I never, I never. Rano Jones, 1%. Uh, it's. It had two volumes. It was Car- oh, it was Carrie and Kyle Andrews. And we it, decided that they were either. No, it's Kari Andrews. He's one person. But Kyle Andrews does it too. Is his name Kari Kyle Andrews? I don't think so. He's one person. Is he he did assassin? the whole book. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, created, written, and drawn, and colored. By Carrie Kyle Andrews. There you go. Is it Carre or is it Carre? It's Carre. Carre. I don't know. It's Carre. I whatever love it is. his friggin' art. Oh my god. And, uh, ooh, He's a art. wonderful artist. Yes. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing his art for the first time. Uh, my friend Gary used to be an indie comic letterer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a bunch of work with Phil Hester Say back his last before. Name. Call him out. Oh, Gary Peterson. Gary I mean, Peterson. he doesn't. He, he's not, he doesn't still do stuff, so you can't really. Well, I mean, it. but for the Gary Peterson fans that are out right, there. Right. Okay. Yeah. So if you're out there, um, <laughs> oh, when you, when you pick up, when you pick up Tim Benson's upcoming wretch omnibus. Right. Uh, from Omaha bound. Peterson's got work in there. All over the place. There in that book. Um, he also lettered uh, the coffin, which was an Oni book that Phil did. All right. Next time when Gary Peterson cast, we'll go. Yeah. Into yeah. This. I'm All just right. saying he's a guy. He's a guy. I know I used to work with him and, uh, he gave me a bunch of old copies of Negative Burn, which was this indie anthology. Right. And Kari Andrews had work in that yeah, book. Yeah, he came out of there. He had a um he did the art for a character called the Gnat, which was sort of like the Atom, except he was just small. Right. I don't know if he shrank, but he was like a he was like a spy, like an uh I only vaguely remember this. Like um <clears throat> Like international espionage kind of stories. Right. But yeah, he was like a tiny spy called the Nat. Kari Andrews drew that comic. And I was like, oh, when I started seeing him pop up in modern day books, I was like, oh man, he's changed so much. Yeah. His style is so different. Yeah. He's so talented. Oh yeah. He's so talented. I did not love his Iron Fist run. I love the art. Did not love the story. Yeah. You know, what not can my, you do? Not my favorite. Thank you for your call. We look forward for your next postcard. You can hear it right here on this damn show. I think it's next week. Yeah, next week. I guess there. it would be. Yeah. Let's go to our final call. It's a new voicemail. We just got it a little bit ago. I'm guessing he was trying to get through and couldn't. Let's see what he's got. I hope the transcript is accurate. <laughs> hey, this is uh, Marcus Roth. Uh, this is like a two-part question. Um, in the NBA, what is the most... Uh, surprising trade or 
free agency pick you've seen so far, and who's your underdog team that doesn't really have any star players you want to see do well. Thank you. Marcus Wells taking us to the NBA. I love it. Okay. Uh, Trading Jimmy Butler. I think everyone in Chicago should be fired. I think they should take the entire front office, bring them out in the street, make them pull their pants down, and everyone in Chicago that is a taxpayer can line up, because guess what? You're paying for that team, can line up and spank these guys' butts. How do you get rid of Jimmy (laughs) Butler? What were you thinking? Who are you going to build a team around? Unbelievable. It is the worst trade I can possibly think of. Sleeper team. I'm telling you, the Timberwolves are going to be awesome this year. I don't know. You're like, oh, wait a minute. They got some superstars there. No, they don't. They got that one big white kid, uh, Gorlon something or other. Dikembe Mutombo. No. <laughs> I think uh, the Timberwolves are going to be for real. And I think it's going to be a rad season, although I do think it is going to be dominated by super teams. So say you. The Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's going to be a rough year for 76ers fans. I'll say that. You know, mm. That's it for NBA cast. All right. Thank you, Marcus Well, G love and special sauce. We'll be so sad about that. <laughs> he loves the 76ers. He does. He loves the 76ers. Uh, hey. Well, uh, oh, Tony Cook says, I'm glad Butler's gone. Ticket prices might drop. Shut since the hell the Bulls up, will Tony. Stink. Shut up. You don't want to go see stinky Chicago games. That's ridiculous. You are not glad Butler's gone. No one is glad that Butler is gone. Namely, Jimmy Butler. He was very vocal about the fact that he's not happy with it. Gah! I hate it. I was just at Cheeseburger in Paradise the other day, and I saw Jimmy Butler. No, you did not. Get it? No. Sounds like Jimmy Buffett. No. What? That's that's a funny joke. No, it is not. Oh, my God. (laughs) That one's getting edited. There's a face. No, leave that in the podcast. Facebook Live exclusive, No, leave that in the podcast. Butler and Buffett. Yes, it's funny when I'm not funny. No, it's not funny when you're not funny. That's inherently so. Uh, Patrick raises a good point. Why doesn't every team just hire all the Globetrotters? Uh, The Globetrotters can't play. They're too good. They're like pool sharks. They can't play professional pool. Oh, man. Yep. Too good. Fair. Sorry, guys. That's an acceptable answer. <laughs> Thank you to everybody that called today. Who's our favorite caller? I'm going with Heather. It has to be Heather. It has to be Heather. She's our first lady caller. Yeah. Girls, I know you're out there. Heather is the only one tough enough to call us. Seriously. I publicly shamed Allison for watching and not calling. Yeah. But what the it hell, didn't Allison? Work. <laughs> we know you're out there. We're not that scary. Yeah. Now you've seen us in our element. Yeah. Give me a break. <laughs> Come on. Excelsior. Oh. That is it for THN 451. If you dig podcasts with hosts more monkey than man, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you choose to collect your favorite podcasts. We probably just lost all our creationist listeners. You realize that? Why? With our evolutionary theory, well, Simeon we, show. I mean, I we mean, did talk on. about affordable, affordable health care yeah. for an hour as well. So. <laughs> we did. <laughs> THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to send a King Kong size thank you to all of our supporters, like Stephen F. Is that you, Stephen Vito? I don't know. Gotta be. I don't know. Stephen's our latest Patreon patron. We want to thank him and everyone that supports us on PayPal and Patreon and not just financially, but that does stuff like cartoons in and watches us record yeah, yeah, yeah. and retweets us and, and 
It Pro- all helps. Helps us pro- helps us get content, like submitting questions of the week. Yes. We love all of it. We thank you for all of it. Stars and reviews on iTunes, too. That helps a lot. Yes, and Help there are out, a lot guys. of new reviews on iTunes. We appreciate that. Keep them coming. Without you nerds, we wouldn't have been able to afford the rehab Matt needed to get all these damn monkeys off his back. There was a bunch of them. Yeah. Let me tell you. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to all our new Facebook Live viewers. We'll be Facebooking the show every week so you nerds can call in and respond to everything you hear in real time. Ladies and gentlemen, nerds, the future of comic book podcasting is now. But you have to remember to still download the show or yes. it's all for nothing. Yes. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just live broadcast himself reading your pull file comics on the toilet. Ugh. And you know they do that shit. Ugh, you know they do. We not, did. You and I did it. Not before I put them in the pull file, though. Sometimes it'd be like, oh, we only have that one left in this guy's pull file. Well, <laughs> <laughs> gotta get this read. This is the two-headed nerd signing off. I'm very sorry for everybody that that happened to, because <laughs> Matt's totally right. You'll never know who you are. <laughs>